We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Tuesday, a game day, of course, um, as we've been doing these uh, past several weeks, making sure you get a pod every day. Uh, the Knicks begin their four game road trip tonight against a uh, Minnesota Timberwolves team that is missing some players. But hey, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting game because when is it not with these New York Knicks? Um, we have had a lot of interesting stuff happening on the court over the last few weeks with the return of Kimball Walker. Um, team kind of taking a little bit of a different um, feel, I guess, offensively, you might say. Uh, speaking of which, congratulations, Kemba Walker, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, as predicted on this very show with Jeremy Cohen. Yeah, shout out to us. Um, anyway, so uh, we thought it was a perfect time to uh, bring on, again, he was on the show about a month ago, um, ben Ridholtz. Uh, and not only because Ben is as good as anyone out there at breaking down film, uh, which he's been doing uh, recently, because uh, he is now doing so for us, for Nick's Film School. Uh, Nick's Film Threads, in case you have not seen them, you could check out. Uh, we retweet his film threads that, again, he's been doing for us. Uh, I think he's now done three games. Andrew, is that right? Three games? Yeah, three games. Um, so he's going to continue to do that moving forward. So make sure you follow him on Twitter, Ben Midholtz MBA, uh, or obviously just follow the main uh, Nick Film School account. Uh, and uh, yeah, we just finished the conversation a little while ago. We got into a lot of X's and O's stuff. We got into some big picture stuff. It was very, very fun and um, very informative to me. So I trust that it will be informative to you as well. Uh, I think that's it. Don't forget to check us out with the live streams that we will have after uh, each and every game moving forward. Uh, hopefully talking about some wins. And on that note, here's my conversation with Ben Ritholtz. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast. Um, I don't even know if I should call him a returning guest at this point because he's now a member I'm very proud to say. I hope he's yeah. he's proud to 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 embrace this part of the Knicks Film School family. Um, he refuses to tell us whether he prefers to be called Ben or Benji, so I'm just going to go with Benji. Benji Ritholtz, what's going on, my friend? I'm great. Benji's great, um, and I am thrilled to be part of Knicks Film School. Um, it's been uh, I've been a long time coming. I've always admired what you guys do, and now to be a part of it. Uh, is is really special to me. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me as a member of the uh, of the family. And I'm looking forward to uh, to working together. So two things. One, I love that even though you didn't intend for it to sound like this, when you were just like Benji's great, <laughs> it sounded like you're you know uh, who? What's an NBA? Was that? I'm sure. Like I feel like Michael Beasley must have done a lot of. Michael Beasley had a great game tonight. Uh, but there has to be someone obvious that I'm missing who used to refer to himself in the third person. Yeah, there is, there is definitely a player who did that a lot. And I'm also blanking on it. But well, that we'll is definitely not what I was doing. 
And I want to make nobody my my no no that's what you're everybody <laughs> out there. This is how this is how full of himself uh, Benji is. Can From I the of, can I say what? the actual example you're probably thinking of? And it's a tie-in to our brothers over at the Strickland, but in the movie Eddie, a character played by Stacy Ogman, <laughs> no, by somebody else. I forget the guy's name. Um, but the oh Stacy Patton character says his everything in the third per- third person like Stacy Patton's ready to play how dare you bench Stacy Patton so shout out to Stacy Patton over at the strip yeah. as well I'm gonna it's bothering me I'm gonna look up who plays Stacy Patton in the movie yeah I know it's I know it's an NBA I mean I'm trying to think who was in it, that was Rick Fox it was Mark Jackson in that that's uh, John Sally John that's, Sally yeah he yes, plays the old yes. guy that replaces Stacy Patton right. And then <laughs> there you yeah. go. Um, Jack used to refer to himself by all his nicknames, but I don't know if that's what you're I think that about. might be who I'm thinking of because <laughs> that's the easy one. And there also had to be a major league character. I know a different sport, but that did that as well. Right, yeah, Andrew? Well, I got to think that Willie Mays Hayes is. Oh, that's right. Willie Mays Hayes. There you yeah. Go, Willie Mays Hayes. Either Hayes or in Major League Two when uh, uh, Rick Vaughn refers to himself as all of his. All of his pitches as those specific names and whatnot. What was that one? The masturbator? Yeah. yeah was... <laughs> Again, we're off to a rousing start for your first God. official. <laughs> that line will always. I, first of all, Major League Two is an underrated movie. Major it League is. One's obviously, a, a, you know, it goes without saying that's a classic, but Major League Two is good. Okay. We are off to a rousing start. Uh, I'm sure you're already having regrets, uh, Benji. Um, so <laughs> Benji's having, having regrets. Uh, you'll fit in well here, sir. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, I mean, so the, the purpose of, of this episode is twofold. One, um, felt like we should now that you're officially doing um, film threads for Nick's film school. Who would have thunk it? Um, that you, you know we should kind of have you on as something of an official kickoff. But also, oh, Andrew just got a look on his face. It's Malik Seely, the posthumous now Malik Seely, who passed away. So he's the one that plays Stacey Patton. So RIP and also shout out to the Stacey Patton over at the Strickland. We have closed this loop. Go ahead and talk about the the Knicks. I just saw your face and I completely like okay. it was an epiphany. Is what happens. Oh, like, that's oh right. yeah. Uh, here we go. Exceptional podcasting. Speaking of epiphanies, I feel like it was also an appropriate time to have you on because it feels like over the last few games, perhaps the Knicks have had a bit of an epiphany themselves. You like that? I know you like that, but um, we're going to talk about that. Um, but first, and this is what I was doing beforehand. I'm going to name because we've been getting a lot of COVID fill-ins recently, COVID uh, 10 days and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to name four names. Your job is to tell me who is the fake person that does not exist. Oh, God. It's like, okay, who you play for. <laughs> Um, okay, so the, three of these people have actually been signed in the last 24 hours, I think, to play NBA basketball. One of them is a fake person. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Ke- Kiefer Sykes, Xavier Simpson, Sam Tipton, and Ferrin Hunt. Who is the fake person that is not playing NBA basketball? Sam Tipton. Very good. Thank you. Excellent job. That's really, I, wow. That was quick too. Um, do you know who Sam Tipton is? No. He's a My Cousin Vinny character. Okay. He's, he's one of the witnesses. Don't ask me why. I thought that's, that. So that's what you're doing right before this pod. That's what I was doing right before Something. the pod. Okay. Now we're going to get to the Knicks. Let's do um, it. Is it just me or has it been more fun to watch the Knicks over the last four days? Four, four games, I should say. Yeah, it has been more fun. Uh, Putting more. aside all of it, the, the schematic, like just like from a pure like, yes. I'm either enjoying or not enjoying watching this. I, it feels more enjoyable to me. Yeah, I think so, and I think that two large parts of that are um, not to be negative about it, but who they who they've played. No. Um, it's a big part of it. Two terrible, terrible. De- I mean, I Atlanta's defense. You know, I saw I, your tweet today. I, I, I put out a thread about how how great the Knicks offense looked with Kemba at the helm, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But any dribble penetration at all against Atlanta's defense was an automatic open three, wide open three. Like that is the worst defensive team I have ever watched in an NBA game. It was that bad. Um, so that definitely has something to do with it. 
and Detroit is nothing to to write home about, obviously. And also, um, it's the the Kemba story. Just the story has been so fun and yeah. and weird, and it's he's so easy to root for that I think that contributes too. Um, but yeah, Kemba running things, both because he's played well and because he's Kemba has been a lot more fun than whatever the hell we were watching uh, for the previous month or two or whatever it was. I, you know, at some point when I'm old and gray and have nothing better to do with my time on the 12th of never, I'm going to go back and rewatch those the 10 games that Kemba was on the bench for and try to make heads or tails of what exactly we were seeing. Because like thinking back, like I... <laughs> There's no through line through any of it other than it was just not very good basketball, right? Like, did we learn anything during those 10 games? I know we're going to talk about mostly the last four, but like, I'm just thinking of it now that you brought it up. Yeah, I think we learned that that Alec Burks is is not a starting card in the NBA. His, <laughs> we did learn that. <laughs> his play like slowly declined to the point now where he's making like two decisions a game that are so uh, uh, un- like I can't even understand what he's trying to do. Like some passes that he's making, I think it totally <laughs> threw him off and his game off trying to play that role that is very much outside of of his kind of natural state as a basketball player. And uh, so we definitely learned that. And I think because of that, we saw Julius try to take even more of the offense, which I think was partially yeah. by design. And I think we learned that if he's not going to make you know, an outsized percentage of difficult shots, then it's not very good basketball. It's not very good offense. Um, and so I think we saw that. Other than that, no, there's really not much to uh, to, to glean from COVID wrecked uh, 10 games of losing basketball. No. Yeah. Well, COVID, COVID impacted 10 games of losing basketball, right? Because like they, in theory, if you were like, oh, the Knicks were still going to have Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker technically available to them, right? Um, Derek Rose for most of those time- games, Burks for I think all of them, right? Their centers for the most part. It's like, you're like, oh, okay, so they lost some bench guys, right? But that's like, meanwhile, anyone who's obviously watched the team over the first 20 games knows that, like, yeah, that's kind of a problem, the guys they lost. And, and the crazy thing about that is that those guys were on the verge of kind of taking over the rotation and it almost reset the season back. It was, it's such a strange thing because it reset the season back to the starting lineup that had been ditched. (laughs) Uh, And now all of a sudden it's back and we're watching the veterans again. They got a second chance at life here. Um, And they've actually reestablished themselves as, as potentially a viable unit. We'll see what they do against a little bit better competition, but they were on the way out. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Kemba was, was banished. Um, you know, I think uh, both Grimes and Deuce made unbelievable cases for themselves. The first times they were out there, they had like career, they had like two of the best games any Nick has had all season, but, but it was the way they did it use. too. They, they were doing it in a way that like, if like, can you think of two more diametrically opposed players in just how they, I'm not even saying like Grimes is better than Fournier, but you watch Fournier go about his business on the floor. And I don't want to call it like lackadaisical is not, that is the wrong word. He's, it's not lackadaisical, but there is a lack of, I don't even want to call it intensity, you know, oomph, like whatever it's, it's what you see when you watch Grimes. Right. Um, and, and the, and the lack of hesitation that Grimes has, when he has the ball in his hands, he fire. I mean, Christ, I want to set a timer for when he gets the ball and when he fires away. Meanwhile, Fournier is kind of like, you know, that's where I'll say he's lollygagging. Yeah, there's a, the word I come back to most with Fournier is physicality. I just yeah. think I, I don't think he has any interest in physical confrontation <laughs> on a basketball court. Um, I, I don't think it's like, yeah, I think he's. I think he's a competitor. I think he. I think he's not scared of moments. Like he'll. He's the kind of player who will who's happy to shoot in a, in a very tight game. I've we saw it as uh, when he's on the magic, we saw it internationally in his with France. Like he's so the season scared. opener in Boston. Th- right, there was right. no one else in the fucking building with it, wearing a Nick uniform. No, and wanted he's, to he's take got, he's jobs. got like cojones as they say, like to shoot. Like, it's not that it's just, there's a, there's a lack of physicality with him really on both ends, but obviously manifests more defensively that yeah, Grimes is, Grimes will mix it up. Grimes will get, will get on. He got had an amazing play last night where ball came loose and he was just first on the floor. Uh, Nab did get started to run out and Fournier actually ended up making a layup. Like he's, um, 
he's grimy, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> he is, and he's, and it's yeah. refreshing. And there, that's the thing with Grimes and Deuce is they came in and it's not just that they're, they were really impressive, which was um, kind of shocking on their first games, but the way they did it, like, I think you were getting at this, the way they did it was like, Oh, that's what this team is missing. Like there's yeah. just a, there's yes. a physicality and an intensity about those two guys that none of the veterans on the team are really showing, you know, except for Taj. And like, you know, occasionally, <laughs> um, occasionally, I guess, you know, RJ when he's, when he's feeling that way, but otherwise there's, it's a little bit of a soft kind of I'll throw Rose in there too. Right. When Rose was going right at the beginning of the year, I, I know, look, Rose is not going to make any old defense teams, but at least, yeah, I don't know. You, you kind of felt him out there a little bit, right? Yeah. There's a presence about him. I think yeah, thank, that's there's a, a good pre- there's a presence about Rose and everything that he does on the floor. I think that's right. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then those two guys came in. Right. So, and, and then, it, and then it was like, Oh, they're just going to, I mean, maybe not only should we play the kids. Cause like, where is this team going? But maybe play the kids cause they're better or they give this chance a better chance to win. And, and it's a really hard thing to say. And it's probably wrong in the long term. like in immediate wins, you always have to kind of check yourself when it comes to rookies, but watching it, it certainly didn't seem like it was a fluke. Like these guys just have a certain way about them that this team needs. And then they go down with the protocols and like, yeah, you're right. Like all of our veterans and high paid guys were around, but it was like, but those aren't the guys we really want to see anymore. And meanwhile, now they've rebounded and they're actually playing good basketball. So yeah, it's been a wild ride. It it really has been like three seasons in one already. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just one quick thing on burst before we move on. And I thought of it as you were talking about it. It's such a great point, which is that like, I've done this as I'm sure every fan of an NBA team has where you see a guy who's like able to do. He looks like he's able to do all the things right that you need him to do to do like this job. And then Birch gets it to put in a position where it's like, okay, now it's time to do all the things that you need to do to be a starting partner on the NBA. And you're like, oh, wait, that's why it's like tertiary ball handler on a good team. Or like maybe if you squint, it's like secondary. No, not, not a starting point guard. Um, there's a reason why guys have, have roles. Um, yep. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back to, so back to Kemba, and you just made me think of this too. Like, I think we've assumed or I've assumed at least, I don't know what you've assumed. I'm curious to hear what you've assumed that the reason that Kemba came out and is doing this now is because he basically was like, well, fuck it. I, I got told to go home and this is my last chance. You better believe I'm going to make it count. I wonder if there is a part of it though, that like, 
the kids came in and like really brought like, oh, wow, these these kids are not going to take my job, but like, you know, something of that ilk. And now Kemba's like, well, clearly I need to be more aggressive because that's what that's what Deuce McBride was doing. Right. He didn't seem to play hesitant. I, I, I don't know if that's maybe too bit, but of, much of a stretch do, or do you just I don't know what it is. I guess maybe the more interesting question is, do you think he will continue this um, or either of those, whatever is more interesting to you? Well, I, I will say um, the his defensive intensity and his rebounding um, is not just like um, not just unlike what I've seen, you know, earlier in the season, but it's unlike any Kemba Walker that I've watched maybe since like early Charlotte days in terms of just like effort intensity. He's playing a ton of minutes, which is frightening. Um, but he's, um, but there's a, there's a force to his game right now that it's one of the two. I can, you know, I can't get inside his head necessarily, but I think you're right. It's either motivation and potentially just the rest of, you know, sitting out for as long as he sat out and also maybe some inspiration from the guys that came in and filled in and, and showed him what, um, what effort on the defensive end means, but we have definitely seen a different, a totally different. Uh, I'm just talking defensively and on the boards. I mean, he has, what is he, 19 boards in two games? I mean, I, I don't uh, know if he's, I, I doubt he's ever done that. And it's not, I mean, he's just, averaged nine over the last uh, three games. I think there you go. Yeah. And yeah. it's not, it's not just uh, long rebounds that are falling into his hands. I mean, he's nope. been on the board. I mean, yep. he's been boxing out bigger guys. He's been chasing down to try to get out in transition. Like it is a different, Kemba Walker and he looks great. I mean, it's, 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 it's really surprising. And then not, you know, not even to mention how he's taken the reins offensively and how that's kind of changed the whole, the whole, um, the whole, the way the offense looks and, and the, the smoothness with which they're, with their, which they're now playing. Um, I have one, I mean, listen, it's the Knicks. So to boil anything down to one concern is uh, foolish <laughs> taking your life in your hands there. If I have one, and the minutes, like, look, I'm, you know, me, I'm Mr. Tom Thibodeau, president of the Tom Thibodeau fan club. Um, I mean, 160 minutes is, in four games is, is a lot. Now, granted, it's, it's, <laughs> I see you literally shaking, closing your eyes and shaking. Your is, I mean, I, what is his knee, what, like his knee cartilage, like, what does it look like right now? I'm like, I'm concerned for macaroni and cheese as a man. I'm concerned <laughs> for him and, and like his old age. And now he's going to walk. I'm concerned for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, well, look, let's quickly as obviously even not been here for these four games. Yeah, that's right. They're going to get some ball yeah. handlers back and that'll, yes. I can't imagine he's going to be playing 40 minutes a night. I can't imagine. I, I, I can't either, especially, and look, I don't, I'm not saying he will continue to play this many minutes, but it is interesting to me that quickly over the last 10 games that he played average, I think it was 28 minutes a game. And a lot of those, I got the sense, I know we're going off, we'll get, we'll bring it back to Kemba, but I got the sense during those quickly minutes he was taking more of the reins, even though he shared the floor with Roosevelt. Right. Am I on the same page as you? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's right. So I, I think it's, it's fair to assume when quickly is back, that will continue and Kemba won't, won't have to play as much. Um, back to the point that I was starting to make on Walker, the thing that's concerning me and you, I think were alluding, I think you were alluding to it with the poor defense. So he, the one thing that he has not really rebounded it, the bad choice of words. The one thing that has not like reverted back, not that Kemba was ever great at this was he hasn't been great inside the arc. He's shooting whatever he's shooting 42 or 43%. Um, again, not that Kemba was ever a guy that was like great around the rim, but he was, you know, he, he was fine. He's never gotten to the line a ton. Um, if teams start playing it to with like, okay, if you're going to make shots around the rim and you're going to make acrobatic shots around the rim, we're going to live with that. Um, and if teams don't guard off three point shooters as much, I have to think at some point that will, that will start. Right. But the other, other than that, I'm not sure I have a huge concern in just in terms of like him being able to do what he's able to do. I'm putting the minutes aside. Yeah. I mean, he was making shots before he was benched and not that I'm not the last several games. I shouldn't say that, but like overall, you look at the season numbers, he hasn't, he's, he's been shooting the ball well and, and he continues to do so um, outside. And, and yeah, I mean, the question that you have with any small aging guard and we've seen it, his, his free throw rate has kind of plummeted the last three years. His percentage of shots at the rim has gone down, although he had a good 
she, she had a good year at the rim accuracy wise last year in Boston. He didn't get there a ton. Yeah. Um, and that's what's, yeah. And, and, and I think smarter, better, more disciplined defensive teams than we've seen in the last three games. Um, although not the Washington's got a bad defense, but it, it just like, you know, once, once they've seen what Kemba's done here, I think you'll see a lot more switching, um, because yep. he, he's a drop. He, he's one of these guys that if you're going to drop, he's going to destroy you. Cause he's, if, if you try to go up, if you try to drop, um, every pick and roll, he's just going to pull up. And then if you try to bring the, if he's being aggressive and he, which, right, correct. Uh, yeah. Which he now is right. And he, which he now is, big exactly. up, and, now, and now we saw Capella try to come up to the level and that opens up a, he can blow by him anyway. And now you got three on twos coming down, whether it's through the baseline or he gets to the middle of the floor. And then you also have, you know, those quick, either Mitch with, with a, with a good Mitch role, you have either him on the roll. And if the defense crashes onto Mitch, now you have those cross court passes, which he's making really well. So that whole pick and roll game has been great the last three games. And that's, what's that, that's why the offenses look so much better. I think when you get to like, a Miami or um, well, a Milwaukee with Giannis. Like those so I was going to say it, it's team dependent as far as who could, because Capella, I mean, he, he, I mean, Capella was in the defensive player of the year conversation, maybe not legitimately, but like whatever he was talked about. And even he was played off the floor briefly during the uh, Eastern conference finals. You're saying specifically other teams that have the personnel to switch. Right. Those will be the teams. Okay. Yeah. I mean, right. And Atlanta is so bad as a group defensively. I mean, and Capella oh God, hasn't been as good this year, but yeah, I think they're they're advantageous. I think a drop team in general is 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 a good opponent for the Knicks, especially with Kemba at the helm. I think a more switch like does Kemba still have it in him to like take on a switch every you know if if team gets kind of switchy or is he just going to start dumping it off to Randall to try to create those you know advantage situations again? Um, that that remains to be seen. Um, and whether he can just sustain this level of usage and intensity. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a few, it's been a couple of years since we've had got that every night from Kemba Walker. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I, I was not intending to have, I was not forget, have a conversation. I was not intending to bring miles Turner's name up on this podcast, but you just mentioned the switching. I wonder if that would further embolden them to try to get something done. Because if you obviously, if you switch a one five, then that leaves, a smaller theoretically a smaller defender on the center which obviously our centers um they could throw down lobs but you know not like Mitchell yeah, Robinson it, it reminds me of a play that I, I i thought about clipping um that you're mentioning this is is kemba actually made an entry pass to mitch on, on a switch it must have been when capella was out of the game i got to go back maybe collins was at center okay so they switched to one five and and kemba made an entry pass into mitch he kind of bounced it to him it was a little bit low but like yeah. Mitch has to gather it and just finish it. He was on a small and everyone's swatting in his hand. He loses the ball because it's Mitch and he just doesn't, unless you throw that ball up, which maybe Kemba should have, but even like, okay, so Mitch catches it with a small <laughs> on his back. What's he going to do? Then what? Right. What's he going to do? So yeah, that, that, that goes into the center well, question. I, but I was thinking about this. That. I was thinking about this watching. Who was I? Watching? It may have been actually just Capella on offense. Like Capella, you could give him the balls five, six, seven feet away from the hoop. He could flip it in. Got a nice little jump hook. Yep. yep. You know, I mean, like we're not, I don't want to make, I don't want to make this a bash. There are, there are very few centers in the league with as, with just as, say it, what's the just word? say it. You're with not being unfair. Skills than Mitchell Robinson. There's very it is. few that only now, I mean, it's, there used to be a few more, the Tyson Chandler kind of archetype that, that, that kind of Tyson Chandler actually, I kind of, kind of led the rim running revolution of just like lob vertical threats that kind of permeated the league for a while, but slowly I feel like it's kind of phased out of the game where now you really want your center. And I think because it's because teams have gotten more switchable and the whole like kind of wing dominance now where everyone's six, eight, six, nine. So now you can switch everything. So now what can a center do if that vertical threat doesn't in the pick and roll game, isn't as important. And that's where guys like Mitchell Robinson really struggle unless they punish you on the offensive glass. But is that enough? And is that a high enough percentage where like, you're not getting hurt the other way? I think like Daniel Gafford's an example of another guy who really is just a pure lob guy. Um, I had, there really aren't that many in the league anymore. And there's a reason for that. And, and you feel it with Mitch and, and Mitch has been really good in the last four games. He's been one of the main reasons that they've turned it around because he's been really good. But, um, but there's always that limitation. It is what it is, right? No. And it's why I, I think the, again, this is a different conversation for a different day, but like the, I think the way this thing, the, the, the way the league is, and Capella got paid 
because I, I'm not saying he got paid because of that little jump hook. Like there's a lot of things that Clint Capella is really, really fucking good at. Um, but like, I have to think if you're going to be predominantly that rim running guy and you want to make a little bit of money, uh, but otherwise teams are just going to be like, all right, you know, uh, Nick Claxton or, or Jericho Sims. Great. We can get you in the second round. Good. We'll, we'll, you'll play for us for four years and then we'll, we'll, you know, figure it out then or, or Gafford for that matter. Um, okay. But I digress. Uh, okay. So, so back to Kemba, we like what we're seeing. Hopefully it's sustainable. We'll see. Um, which leads us of course to, uh, Kemba's teammate. Uh, Mr. Julius Randall. Ah, hi, Julius. There he is. He's always looking at me. He's always looking <laughs> over my shoulder, wondering what am I going to say about him next. Um, <clears throat> I I found it interesting that Tibbs this week shouted him out for. Um, I, I don't know which press conference it was because it all runs together. But like when Julius is aggressive, good things happen. And like yes, at the same time, in the Christmas Day game took one shot at the rim and I believe he missed it. He was hitting, he was hitting his longer, obviously he had a lot of threes, but he also hit a bunch of long twos. And the previous game, he was, I think three of five from um, between eight and 16 feet. So to me, I, I'm like, that's always this season been where my focus is as far as like, he just needs to hit those shots. Um, what do you what interests you about Julius Randle right now? What do you want to see? What don't you want to see? Like, take take it anywhere you want to go. Yeah, I took a lot of lumps today on Twitter because I said I, I I didn't think I didn't think his process was anything different or or special or much better against Atlanta uh, than it has been. I thought he made shots. I thought he made shots. <laughs> I, I think there were some stretches of like a little bit more defensive intensity. He seems to really like the John Collins thing. He really seems to enjoy that. He thinks he's better than him. He probably is better than him. And um, Atlanta very purposefully had DeAndre Hunter on Julius Randle from the very first possession of the playoff series. Because, because Julius Randle absolutely destroyed John Collins in the regular season. So they learned their lesson. And of course, DeAndre Hunter is not on the team right now. And John Collins had to guard him. And I think he very much enjoys that. Um, but like we saw plenty of head scratching decisions. Um, we saw, uh, some terrible, um, transition, getting back in transition, just not showing frustration, not getting back, um, botched a couple of switches. Like I, I, I I just didn't, I thought he made shots and look, I think he's going to make more shots because I think he's probably somewhere in between where he is now and where he was last year. Even if he's not what he was last year. So I I would assume these percentages are going to go up. He's already up to 34% from three. I mean, I, I think there's no reason to think he can't shoot 38% from three. I mean, you want to keep, and, and right now he's 36, what is he, about 35? which is atrocious. I mean, he needs yes. to pick that up and I think he will. And he started to. So I, yeah, I do think there's some uh, progression to the mean, I guess. Um, but I still, and I will say this, I think he's done a better job defer, actively deferring to Kemba Walker running the offense. Um, well, actively deferring, which actively is, deferring. which is different in my mind at least is different than deferring because I, the word I used several times in the beginning of the season was almost begrudgingly yes. um, in the way. He, right. Did you get the same sense? Yeah. That I said, yeah. And I use that term very purposely. I think, I think he, you could see him asking, you know, he, he's getting Kemba into the DHOs. He's, he's the one kind of leading the charge to to let Kemba run the offense. And he's gotten easier shots as a result. How many of those threes were just simple pick and roll, pick and pop threes that he, that he just steps into instead of the, the self-created step backs, which are much, much harder shots. Um, so, (laughs) and, and, and I think there are still times where I, you know, I, I clipped one today where I thought he hijacks a possession. Like if there's a switch, Kemba's Kemba's working Collins and Julius has whoever maze or whoever ends up switching on him and he's posting him at 24, 25 feet. You know what? I'd rather see Kemba break down John Collins. I don't need every time there's a switch. It doesn't have to be a Julius Randle isolation. And, and for like, anybody who hasn't seen the clip, I just want to say, if, if anybody listening is like, well, why, did, why didn't just Kemba take him? Why did Kemba pass the ball? Because Julius got right in the fucking way to the point where Kemba had no choice but to pass him the ball. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. That's a hijack, right? And, and great players do that all the time. Like, they'll, they'll demand the ball. And it, there's sometimes I think Julius... Great, that. great players. <laughs> yes. I just that. think that, I think, you know, especially because Kemba's had it going, 
And John Collins isn't going to, you know, I don't think he can keep Kemba in front of him. And I just think it's an easier way to write. It's just easier for Kemba Walker to break down John Collins than it is for Randall to back down a guy with half spins and spins with a risk of turnovers much higher. Like sometimes just clear out and like, well, you got the switch. You did your job. You said it's a good screen. You got the switch. Okay, great. Now clear out and let your teammate make a play and spread and you'll get an open shot. Like there are still times where that takes place. And I think, you know, that the, the, the journey for Julius to, to accept a lower usage rate where I think it'll improve his efficiency. It'll improve the offense. It'll improve how everyone feels about the offense, how many touches guys are getting. And, and we're seeing it with Kemba. We're seeing immediate dividends just with, I think he knows he now has control of the offense and it changes the way it looks and the way it feels. So, you know, it's so funny. And I, again, I just thought of this cause you were talking about it. You bring up John Collins, like, you want to talk about an ideal role for Julius Randle? Maybe not exactly as the role that John Collins occupies on Atlanta, but like John Collins is a 20 and 10 guy. He just got paid $125 million, 25 million a year, a little bit less than Randall got paid, but it's like the, the market basically said, I mean, we talk about Julius taking a discount only once the market basically said these players are roughly equivalent. Like Collins will make a few all-stars. I would, Probably maybe one, two, three, something like that. Like, uh, why can't Julius just embrace being? More, I mean, I, I guess he just like being uh, in the MVP conversation. And uh, yeah, I well, I'll say I think Julius has um, much more creativity in his game than of Colin course have and vision. But then, so be a better version of of that. Yeah. But you Take can spot better. It doesn't. You, you don't need to dominate the ball. And yes. Collins is very much a a reliant player, and he had he gets to rely on one of the best point guards in the game. Obviously, it makes it very easy. And he's, I would say, he's a significantly better finisher than Julius. He's extremely explosive at the rim. Yes, he's a that's lob very in a way that Julius isn't, which is another reason why playing him at the five it makes a little bit more sense than it does for Julius. Cause he can be a role man and, and Julius is a good role man, but in terms of like a, a vertical spacer and a threat on the lob, like Collins is he, Julius is not that. Um, yeah. But so there, there, there are differences in their game. And I think I actually, you know, Collins and, and actually Obi is a guy I think of a lot in terms wow. of like the ideal Collins kind of role. If he ever develops the shot, the way Collins has. Um, yeah. But, but the idea is correct that like, yeah, he can, he can be more reliant. You got Kemba Walker exactly for this reason. I mean, I think <laughs> it's the purpose of getting Kemba Walker was so that things would get easier, that his shot diet would look a little bit more like John Collins' shot diet. And, and the ease with which he gets his points would be more like the way John Collins gets his points. I mean, Kemba Walker is not Trey Young, but he does some of the things in terms of creation, in terms of pick and roll play that Trey Young does. And, and Julius just has to let him a little bit more. And we've seen progress, right? These last three yes. games for no. sure. We have. Um, you want to see a little bit more and, and, and a little bit more deferring, but we're hopefully getting there. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just, I expect too much because we've seen, we've seen better players. And this is going to sound like a knock on Julius. We've seen better players than Julius Randall go to situations more, more like, I'm, I mean, the guy that is I'm thinking of is like Andre Godala when he went to Golden State. Now he was obviously later in his career, but like Andre Godala was an all-star as an, as a, as an alpha number one option on a, albeit not very good team. Although they were forcing the East <laughs> once by time under Doug, uh, that Doug Collins team, right? Like there's nobody better than Andre Godala on that, on that, um, that was that the team, team that beat the road when Rose got hurt? That was the oh, then you know what they weren't a four seed. I'm thinking maybe he's still on that team. Yeah, no, he was, he was definitely there. It, yeah, so it's him, Drew Holiday, Evan Turner. Yeah, uh, Thaddeus Young. Yeah, that was a good team. That was a fun team. It was a I, fun it was probably team. between him and Drew Holiday in terms of the, who the best player was, but they're, 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 they're solid. That I thought they were a four seed because they went to the second round. That's where my mistake was. Um, anyway, um, but and like Iguodala changed his game because he went to a team now. Again, as you just said, Kemba Walker's not Trey Young. He's definitely not Steph Curry. Um, and there's no clay. T- like, there, there's differences. But just to ask him to adjust a little bit, I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't, you know, but. We'll no, and I, I've heard you on, on various, on, you know, some of your post games where you said, you know, Tibbs seemed to have decided in the Kemba move that Julius needed to just be Julius of last year. I think that was part of the decision because she looks so out of sorts, but like, 
first of all, Julius hasn't been Julius of last year. So you're just, if you're asking Julius to carry an offense and he's one of the least efficient high usage players in the league, if not the most least, I was about to say, there's, there's an argument that he's at the bottom. Depending yeah, I mean, on, an, I mean, I, I told someone that I, there's an argument. He's been one of the worst players in the league that this year. Like if you, if you consider I, usage and the way he, I mean, there's, there's, there's an argument that the more usage at less efficiency means you are actually damaging your team more than let's say a bad low usage player. I mean, he's, he's been bad. He's been bad. It's not, it's very fair to say Julius Randall has been bad this year. Yes. Um, yeah. And at some point, if you're, high usage and bad at some point you have to say either I need to get a whole lot better or I need to lower my usage, especially when lowering my usage might make me better. And I think those, I think that's kind of the simple argument that needs to be made. Maybe it has been made and it seems like maybe it's gotten through a little bit. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road, but if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's funny, of all the things we're talking about, like, can this sustain, can that sustain? Famous last words, I have faith that Kemba can keep up uh, if not this and a, a close approximation of this where I'm lacking a little bit more faith is whether Julius continues to turn the corner that we're, we're talking about here. I hope I'm wrong um, because, and we could you know finish up with this maybe is like, look, and I just want to be very clear to anybody out there listening who is like, why the fuck are you wasting time talking about this? These players like are not going to take us anywhere big time. Kemba's probably not even going to be here after the, well, whether it's this season or next season, like this is all stopgap stuff, but like, this is what the team is right now. Like it is about making the product look as good as I'm, uh, what are we going to do? Sit on here and rant and rave about how Deuce, Deuce McBride should be playing 35 minutes tonight. Okay. What am I going to do on Nick's film threads? If I can't talk about Kemba? <laughs> exactly. He's the one um, playing That's what the film is. I can't, I can't make up film. That's what I, it is. There you go. Um, so I just want to say that, but it, back to the point that I was going to make, like, look, this team, obviously this team's not going to win a championship this year, but like, I really do feel given their depth. And I think the depth is a real, a real strength. Like Tibbs talks about it all the time. I don't think he's just blowing smoke out, out someone's ass. I think he, he really believes this is a good deep team um, with that. And with what Kemba's kind of been showing and with Fournier still, you know, he, like we talked about before, he could still do stuff. If Julius can really embrace that and Kemba can keep it up. I know we're, it's a lot of ifs like, I don't know. I think this team could, could be a team that is at the very least when they get, if they get in, I was about to say when, if they get into the playoffs, like, you know, could give us a little bit of fun for around maybe more, but that's a lot of ifs. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about it, and I, it, it sounds like a negative, but I think it's really a positive is, is if it doesn't work, at least in terms of Kemba, not really in terms of Julius, because he's a long-term commitment that needs to figure it out. Um, then we'll get more young guys and the young guys are good. So, <laughs> in, you know, there's not a ton of downside in this season other than Julius and to, a, I think, a much lesser extent Fournier, because again, there's a little bit of long-term money there, but um, Julius needs to be better for every reason in terms of where mm-hmm. this franchise is going, where they want to go. If even if they wanted to move him right now, I'm not even sure what his value is like, and I don't think they're going to move him, I, but I think I, they're not. Yeah. They're not going to move him. He means too much now. I mean, he's been the centerpiece. He's very close with the entire organization. It, it, it would be, and he, he just needs to figure it out. And that's the number one storyline. One a is probably RJ Barrett and whether he can 
get his stuff back together and, and continue to improve in terms of outlook, in terms of franchise outlook. I think those are still wash all the noise away, especially the Kemba noise, because again, he's a, he's a low investment player. We love him. He's great. I root for him. He's been a ton of fun, but like looking big picture at the team, he's a, he's a low investment player, but we're talking Julius as Julius getting back to Julius and whatever form that is. Number one, RJ's development one a, and then like how the kids look is more important long-term than any of this. But that said, like we're talking about, like the team is what it is right now and we want them to win. And it's fun to watch when they win and when they're playing well together. And I think in terms of Julius's development and what he looks like two, three, four years down the line, how he adjusts to Kemba Walker is important because he's not going to, if this team ever does go anywhere, it's not going to be with Julius Randle as the star, as the number one star. I was about to say, like, I'm going to, I'll not push back, but I, I don't think it's as much of a given. And look, I've made all, all the points you just made. I've, I've, made them. I don't think it's as much of a given that Randall is here. Like if you gave me a, like, what odds would I put on Julius Randall surviving next season's trade deadline? And I'm not saying he would be traded at that trade deadline. I'm just saying he gets past this trade trade deadline. He gets past the summer and he makes it past next season's trade deadline. I, I mean, I, I I'd need a little bit better than 50, 50, like even money odds. But you know, if you gave me a little bit of action on that, I'd be like, okay, I'll I'll think about it. Like I, I'm very intrigued by this. Do you know I, something? Or just no, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 the only thing that I've, and I think I've said this or written it or something is, is, is my, I, my understanding is that they would not trade him unless it was unless they were getting a a, a another quote unquote star in return. So you know, but that's they need that teams should, to want him. Even if that's the case, they need teams to want him. exactly. <laughs> exactly. He needs look, like you said, he needs to play better. He needs to be, he needs to he not needs to be better. in the conversation of one of the least helpful players um in the league because that's that's not a good thing. So look, we'll see what happens. It's it, I think it is more fun right now. And um, you know, they got a, a four-game road trip now that starts, you know, tonight as people are listening to this. Hopefully they could do some damage. Um, they're playing against the walking wounded and pretty much even OKC lost a couple uh couple of guys I saw today. So that, you know, they have an opportunity. We'll see if they can take advantage. Um, is there anything that we did not touch on that you want to um, mention or, or just shout out before we go? Uh, um, Berman is very cold in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, it's, a <laughs> big, big sto- it's a big storyline right now. It's a, it, it's, it's uh, you, one might say it is the unheralded storyline of this next season. It was, it was Ken Berman's hot, hot off the press. Yeah. Berman hope he's doing all right in Minnesota. Um, Ross bites. No joke, man. Uh, yeah. You lose no, one it, finger. It completely fucked up. <laughs> kill you. Uh, relatedly, Deuce McBride is in, is still in protocols somehow. Um, and other than that, no, I don't have any, I, I mean, I'm excited to be around. I'm excited to be doing uh, Nick's film threads. Andrew's killing it with the YouTube videos. It's really kind of a, a fun format for people to be able to to watch it and break it down and see what I'm what I'm trying to say. And I, I love how it kind of looks. And so thanks, Andrew. And um, other than that, no, I just uh, yeah, keep following uh, Nick's film school. You'll see my threads over there pretty much every post game. I hope uh, the following day. Um, I'll be writing stuff for the Strickland at some point again, when I, when things calm down a bit and keep, uh, tweeting things out from my account. And other than that, just, uh, just really happy to, to be on with you guys and, and have, have more opportunities to do so. So thank you for that. Uh, well, a, thank you. Um, B the Twitter handle folks, since I, I, I Andrew's given me lessons in self-promotion. So I guess now it's my turn. Oh, um, bad. it's, it's <laughs> at, Ben B E N Ritholtz R I T H O L T Z N B A. Uh, if you're not following Ben, I, I don't know what you're doing. Um, follow him. <laughs> yes, we do retweet out all of his threads. Um, and yes, shout out to Andrew because I was like, wow, this looks really good. And Andrew's like, yeah, I know, I did it. Where'd you um, find the song, Andrew? I like the song. Uh, it's an instrumental I got that was royalty free. It used to be before we had a YouTube element to the 
the podcast, it used to be the background I used when I'd post promos that were just audio and they ah. pop up on the Nick's Film School account from time to time. And then we added a video element. So I figured just clipping that. I love um, it. I'm so like picturing is, people like watching it, just like kind of like jamming out while yeah. watching film. Okay, yeah. better than that. Oh. Well, I, I have a couple of other songs because we do have a music guy. Uh, shout out to Doug Burns Bass that has offered to give us some some free samples so Sick. we'll collaborate it's not free but like we'll collaborate with him and play some of his music um but yeah so that Shout song will be there and i as and the reason we wanted to collaborate with you is obviously because uh, i've been a fan for a while and i'm glad that we could feature a lot of your work on the I, channel going forward and, and if i could just say one more thing um i i have to blow a little bit of smoke up your ass now because it's one thing to <laughs> oh, no. to to break down clips and there's a lot of people who do it really, really, really well. Um, much better than I can. It's, it's not my strength. It's another thing to do it in a way where you are not only telling a story, but succinctly telling the story of the game through interrelated clips and your film threads have managed to do that. And I admire it because I try to do that when I do like the post game write-ups in, in some way, shape or form to do it via film clips is just really fucking hard and you nail it. So again, for anybody out there listening, who's not following Ben um, do so, he will, he will make you much smarter at basketball. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay. Shout out to Ben once again for uh, making us all smarter. I really do enjoy talking to him. He's great. And I am so, so, so excited that he's part of the Knicks film school family um, moving forward. And uh who knows? Maybe his maybe his addition is the thing that sparks the turnaround of this next season. I think that's going to be it. I'm calling it right now. Um, don't forget, as always, if you enjoy the pod, um, please do us the honor of leaving us a review. Give us a rating. And uh, if you listen and you're not subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe. Definitely makes a difference. Um, on that note, let's finish out this 2021 year strong couple days away from New Year's. Andrew, you have any resolutions you're thinking of yet? We too old to make resolutions. Like, I feel like there's a lot of younger things that we wanted to make big changes oh, to. I, and at this point in life, we're just kind of okay listen, with, you know. I, 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 got, I got a lot of boxes still that I want to check. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, what the intent, what the, what the box that I want to focus on this year ahead. But, uh, you know. So, um, big, bigger and better things. I'll say that. So your answer is same thing we do every year. Pinky, try to take over the world. Got that right. There you go. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year, Andrew. And uh, everybody out there, uh, thanks for checking out another episode. We'll be back with you with another one very soon. Bye.